Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 206 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for being with us this week, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Now in this week's episode, we are chatting with a world-class DJ turned mountain biker. His name is Mark McCabe, he's from the south of Ireland, and he's a top bloke. Mark only got into mountain biking quite recently, just over a year ago, um, off the back of the COVID thing to a certain degree, because we all know how the music industry and the entertainment industry has been hit by the COVID pandemic, and how all those guys have just, you know, been working from home and trying to do what they can. So Mark got into mountain biking, and after a few runs, it, it just grabbed him. There was something there. He just got so stoked on it. And he's got super involved in the Irish scene since then. He lives around Ticknock, so he's close to some awesome, awesome trail networks. He's a big fan of The Gap. And he was recently there when they done a kind of open day for their six new trails. Um, it was invitation only, but there was top riders there. Mark was DJing there out of the old Red Bull Jeep thing, and it just looked like an awesome, awesome day. So we chat to Mark about that. We chat to him about how he got into mountain biking, and what he loves so much about it, and how he's progressed over the year. He's taken a lesson from Killian Callahan, and we chat to him about all that kind of stuff. He's also got involved in the race side of things, and he's going to continue that as much as he can. You know, obviously, when things open up again, he's going to be a busy man, and he's going to be jet-setting across the world or whatever and uh, playing music and stuff. So that may have to take a back seat for a while, but he's so super stoked on it and, and chats about how he found his race experience uh, at Ravendale at the Vitus First Tracks Enduro there. And uh, we get into all that good stuff and uh, we just see how stoked he is on mountain biking. And it's good for new people getting into the sport. If you're new to the sport, you know, have a listen to how Mark chats about it and you know you can maybe follow in Mark's tyre tracks and do something similar because it's really worked for him and um, he's just loving the thing completely. So without further ado, I will stop chatting, we'll get Mark on the podcast and see why he's fell in love with this mountain bike thing. Hi Mark, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things with you this morning sir? Good, thank you for asking. No problem mate and uh it's great to get you on the show because I know you haven't been mountain biking that long, but you've got quite heavily involved already. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, so it'll be great to get your, uh, you know, your insights into that and uh, what you think of the MTV scene and stuff. Um, but here, where did you grow up, Mark? Because I always thought you were kind of from the north, but you're south-based, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, grew up in in Ranla, which is just outside uh, Dublin city centre. Um, so, and the city centre itself lived there for a while and lived down in uh, the mountains of Wicklow in a place called Glen Ely. Right. Uh, and now I'm based in a place called Stepaside in Dublin, which is just below Ticknock. Wow. Handily enough. So I can literally pedal out my, my front door and be up the top of Ticknock in 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Jeez. If I go in the car, it's five minutes. So it's great. Yeah. I wake makes, up every day and look up. Makes a big difference, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's great. Cool, man, cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, that move wasn't because of mountain biking, was it? That was just a no, coincidence? that was just a coincidence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would be amazed how many people, you know, move house to be closer to trails and woods and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Unreal. No, I've spoken to a few people and I've told them, you know, and I've showed them a picture of, of where I am relative to Ticknock and that, and they're just like, oh, wow. You just, you're so lucky, you know, we've got to trek two hours or half an hour or, you know, uh, to get to where we want to go. So, yeah, no, I'm blessed. <laughs> uh, cool. And I want to chat to you, obviously, about your DJ and, and, and things like that and then how you get into mountain biking. But you did own a BMX at one stage, right? Was that your first experience in two wheels? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, never really got into it 
you know, as much as I wanted to. Um, I always kind of aspired to be uh, bigger and better and greater than I ever mm. managed to get to. There was a guy that lived just down the road from me and he had a half pipe. And wow. uh, we used to go down to him and watch him session it. And uh, he was just so good. Um, but never really got to that point where, you know, I was going to the bowl every week or hanging out in the uh, in the parks. But uh, yeah. really, you know, I was a, I was a street BMXer, shall we say. Right, right. So, uh, but yeah, I know, loved it, loved it. Yeah, and was that, that wasn't over the 80s craze, was it? Over the which? 80s craze? No, no, a bit later than that. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Because it did, it was huge in the 80s, right, in the early 90s. It was massive here. Yeah. But it seemed to die off quite quickly, but there's, it's coming back again. Oh, definitely. Mm. Definitely. And what's really interesting is seeing... Um, you know, I mean, Gav Carroll is a perfect example where you see somebody who's kind of uh, who obviously grew up on a BMX and he's bringing that skill and that kind of that, you know, that BMX flow into mountain biking. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just the combination of the two just makes him an incredible rider to watch. But um, a lot of the kids seem to be sort of flipping between mountain bikes and and, uh, and BMX, which is great to see because they're two they're two completely different skills, obviously. But combine the two together, and I think they look pretty impressive. Yeah, totally. It's funny because I grew up BMX, and you know, um, but I haven't sat in one in years and years and years. And then I was when I was out in Malta working there, we sold BMX there. I was working in a bike store, and we sold BMX there, and I sat on one, and I was like. How the hell did I ever ride one of these things? They're so yeah. small. Yeah. You know, yeah. So to be able to flip between a, a mountain, you know, a full-on enduro bike or something, and then a BMX is that shows a lot of skill. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I mean I I jumped on one there uh, a couple of weeks back, and then went to pull a wheelie and was just straight on my back <laughs> straight away. You just forget, <laughs> you know, the distance between you and the ground uh-huh. is obviously a lot less. Uh, but they're great fun they're great fun yeah totally and you know it's good to see a lot of these pump tracks popping up and a lot of yeah. the guys going back to the bmx in there it's it's pretty amazing to see yeah and it's great because i mean you can you can ride a bmx anywhere you can turn any sort of urban area into a a skills area you know you can do that with a mountain bike as well but just particularly with the bmx because they're small you can you can kind of hit pavements and curbs and small walls and stuff like that you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool, man, cool. Um, when you were into BMX, were you at school at that stage? Were you? I was, yeah. All right. What do you think pulled you away from that? Did you have any friends ride BMX or anything like that, or were you involved with any more sports there at school that you were more interested in? Probably music that pulled me away ultimately. Okay. Um, because I got into to DJing and I got into you know, learning how production worked and, and sound and all of that stuff. So um, rather than hanging out with my mates at the weekend, I was sort of hanging out in music venues. Wow. Um, okay. What age were you then, Mark? I was young. I was started doing that when I was 13, 14, probably. Really? Wow. Yeah, really, really young. So um, I was lucky that in the, the place where I grew up, Ranelagh, there was a a sort of sound hire shop and they used to rent out, you know, equipment for bands and stuff like that. So um, I'd annoy them at every mm-hmm. opportunity, but that sort of led to me getting a sort of work experience job with another company who did, you know, a lot bigger stuff like fashion shows and stuff like that. And they just kind of took a shine to me and they just let me hang out in the shop and load up the truck with them. And then eventually I started to, to go to the shows and to help rig them. And then eventually got to the point where I was actually running the shows and uh, actually mixing so wow yeah what sparked your interest in that like was there a particular band or a particular scene or particular music that really got you into that no i don't i don't know exactly what it was i remember being at a couple of shows i remember going to see michael jackson really yeah in lands end road and it was that it was the dangerous tour and it was the tour where he basically flew out of the stadium on a rocket pack so that that was the extent of the production like it was just insane um and then i remember seeing uh, u2 the zoo tv tour and again that was a really sort of heavily produced show mm-hmm. um and i remember just watching those shows going this is just brilliant 
I love this and I would love to be able to do something, you know, in this. Um, so I think that's where it kind of, it sparked really as a, as something that I wanted to do as a career. Um, but I always loved music mm-hmm. and my dad used to just do a, a school disco like once a year and he had an amp that he used to use for that, that disco. And uh, <laughs> I kind of swiped that on him and got a pair of speakers and just was always messing with speakers and music and tape decks and, you know, CDs and mini discs and whatever format was kind of coming up at the time. I was always interested in it and, and interested in mixing it. And, you know, I just I just loved everything to do with music and anything that enabled you to be able to listen to music, whether that be, you know, a format like an MP3 or a CD or radio or you know, a live event where you're listening to music. I just love everything to do with all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think you went down that side of the industry and not the kind of band side? Were you interested in being in a band or anything? Yeah, I was in it. I was in quite a few bands. So I played, right, cool. yeah, I played drums. Um, at one stage, I think I was in five bands. <laughs> right. <laughs> one time. No. <laughs> really? So, uh, yeah, and we used to, we did like, you know, the Battle of the Bands competitions whenever they showed up anywhere and we supported people and we played like in UCD and um you know all that. I never got to the point where I was actually in a band that was, you know, touring and, and doing all that. Um but played a few music shows, uh theater shows, stuff like that. Was really into drums, really loved it, but just kind of moved on from that when I got into into DJing. And I guess it was at the time where you had a, de- a decision to make. You were either a rocker or a raver. Um you know, and I went the raver route. Right, okay. So you, you will know for sure Kelly's up here in Port Royce, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> were, you ever sure. At, uh, were you ever at an after show in Port Stewart Beach after Kelly's? No. We've we done a couple I'm, of those down there, you know. I'm disappointed now. Yeah, and that was just crazy, man. Until the police came and shut wow. you down, obviously. Wow. But that scene was mad. Like I, I, I think the young people now growing up don't realise how crazy that scene was. Thousands of people at those things. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's still happening. It just happens in a slightly different way and maybe on a slightly um, smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you ever play up in Kelly's or anything like that? I did. Yeah. I really? Did. Yeah. Yeah. Not too long ago, actually. I think it was about two years ago or, or thereabouts. Wow. So, um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's closed now. I think it has, yeah. Yeah, which is really sad. I think only in the last six months or so. Right, wow, wow. Uh, which is really unfortunate. But look. Yeah. Something else will will come up, come about. Yeah, totally, totally. Like, uh, being in that scene, you know, have you... Were you, have you been able to do that from home or do you have to travel abroad to London or do you have to go anywhere like Ibiza or any of these places that we know of for, for DJ music and stuff? Yeah, I've been I've been really lucky that I've toured all over the world. I've been to Vegas, Australia, uh, Corsica, Spain. Um, been really lucky in that sense. It's been um, it's been a great way to travel. Yeah. And to totally get paid nice. to... Uh, <laughs> to go and see parts of the world, you know, so, and uh, it's really, really nice to go to places like Australia because you've got so many people um, who just miss home that have made Australia their home and uh, they're just so uh, <laughs> excited <laughs> to see you, you know, um, because it's a little bit of home in their new home. Yeah. Um, so it's always been really nice to sort of play places like that. Happy days, happy days. Like, how do you find that music community? What's it like? Uh, it's it's competitive. Yeah. Um, I'm in it a long time, and I've managed to kind of sustain myself throughout, which is quite difficult to do because a lot of people come in, they get their moment, and they're gone. Mm. Whereas I kind of came in getting my moment as in I, I kind of went in pretty heavy uh you know maniac was a huge track and did uh you know things that some people will never manage to achieve mm. but that was the f- that was you know my first in so the only way to go from there is down um 
whereas most people kind of try and work their way up. Yeah. Um, so I was very lucky in that sense, but I realized very quickly that, you know, that is the way it works and you get your moment and you make the most of it and you get out again uh, or you try and sort of create something else and keep going and sustain yourself in whatever way that you possibly can. Uh, yeah. And I've been really lucky that I've been, been able to do that just by sort of, I guess I'm learning on my feet at the same time in terms of how I'm producing music and the kind kinds of music I'm producing and the styles of music that I'm producing as well. Um, and because I'm more so interested in keeping myself going, uh, I'm not relying on a nostalgia as much. So, um, you know, with, with Maniac as an example, it's a nostalgia record now at this stage, but, you know, I can still produce uh, current tracks, which mm -hmm. keep me kind of, keep me going and keep me current. Yeah, yeah. Do you think some people that fall out of it get, they burn burn themselves out oh yeah big time Aye. it's uh it's very easy to go wrong in this industry because you if you get a moment of success you start to believe your own hype to a certain extent and it's very easy to fall into uh into a trap of uh oh my god i'm amazing because everybody's telling me i'm i'm amazing but then you sort of forget why they're telling you, you you're amazing in the first place is because you actually put in a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people step back from the hard work and start to enjoy, you know, the success. Um, and it's very easy to drink and, you know, s sort of get involved with other things because that's your, your job is a lot of people's party time. And as a result of that, if you get really heavy into it, it means that there's an awful lot of time for you to party. Yeah. You know, and people want to do that. Um, and it's very easy to get sucked into it. Yeah, and um, probably want to party with you as well. Yeah, well, there's a bit of that. Like people get excited that you know they're in in your company. <laughs> yeah. Thing. But uh, to me, it's 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 how I earn a living. It's my job, you know. And you wouldn't you wouldn't go into work and open a bottle of vodka and start pouring it around. <laughs> you know? Well, you so know, maybe you would, but. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, it's the entertainment industry and it is for, for people, it's it's where they go and they blow off their steam. And when you work there, you have to realize that that's what it is. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you just get consumed by it. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know COVID has affected that industry just massively. But you were chatting there before we hit record about a radio show or something you're doing. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a show on a station called iRadio. Um, which is quasi-national, so it's not, it doesn't cover the whole of the country, but of course it's online. So, um, But it's just two, two hours every week where I play uh, new dance music. So I kind of introduce uh, you know, what's going to be the next big track in three or four weeks' time. So um, it's great. I've always had, a, had an interest in radio, so it's really good that I get to kind of do it once a week. Yeah, um, yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah, cool. And where's that studio at? Oh, I do it from home. Really? Mm. So their their studios are based in Athlone, but uh, I just do it at home and I fire it up to them. Yeah, wow, see, that's cool, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's Jeez. handy. Yeah. Like, how much prep? So it's an hour. How much prep does that that couple hours take? Yeah. So it's two. Yeah, two hours. But the the time, like, I'll I'll start, you know, on a Thursday evening, and I'll start listening through music that I'm going to play. And then I'll have a good idea and I'll have sort of downloaded all the tracks I'm going to play by sort of Friday mid-morning. Then I start to put it all into Pro Tools and assemble it. And I'm probably done by maybe four or five o'clock. So it it's the research that takes the most time. The actual sort yeah. of production of the show doesn't take all that long, but it's getting the music together. That's the that's the work part. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, I know you'll have seen that industry change so much with the internet and people not having to buy music anymore and stuff like that. Like it's, it's crazy, right? Yeah, completely. I mean, it's, uh, it's bad. It's like, I mean, if you, you put it into perspective, like for, for a generation, you know, for, for you and me, when we, if you wanted to take a picture of somebody and send it to them, think about how you would have done that. Yeah. Um, you know, when we were, when we were kids, you know, you would have had to get a camera with a film in it. You would have had to take the picture you would have had to go to a shop if you were lucky they'd do maybe a one hour photo but like before that it was three days you know, three <laughs> yeah. to five days yeah so 
then you've got your picture, you've gone and collected it and you want to you want to give it to your friend. What do you do? You put it in the post. That's another yeah. two to three days. Whereas now, you know, in milliseconds, you can share a picture. So, I mean, that's like I don't think people realize how fast technology has actually developed over the last sort of 20 years in particular, that everything can be done so quick. Um, it's just outstanding. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, like I know how because I'm been quite into music for most of my life and I know how big the music industry was. And, you know, if you'd have said to somebody back then, you know, in 10 years time or whatever, you'll never have to pay for another song again. You would have said you're absolutely crazy. Yeah. But it <laughs> happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, the big sort of death bell was Napster. Yeah. And there was all, you know, Napster is such a threat and the record industry was so threatened by the whole thing. Uh, and they were right because it absolutely killed, you know, the traditional music industry, as we know. And I think, uh, you know, Maniac, as an example, I don't think there'll ever be a track that will do those kind of numbers again in that kind of way, because it was a physical form. It was people buying physical copies of a track as opposed to it being a stream. And yeah. it wasn't that there was a stream on one platform. It was like the only place that you could go to get this was in a music shop, you know, mm, and there mm. was only one chart and it wasn't uh, as diluted as it is now. So, yeah, it's the, how many copies did you sell that? Oh, I don't know. A few. <laughs> <laughs> Good, stuff, a few. Good stuff. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, let's chat about mountain biking then and, and how you get into all this, because it's a bit of a it's a bit different, like um, from the DJN scene. Now, I know you were at the the opening of the six new trails at the gap there. Yeah. Um, how was that experience? Uh, I, I had been lucky enough to uh, sort of have a few runs on those trails prior to them sort of taking down the fences and, and opening it up for, for that particular day. So uh, I was I was already prepped as to what to expect. But um, to see the the guys, you know, Gav, Steve Mac, um, you know, Dan Wolf, the Callahans, you know, hitting those trails was just like, oh, God. Um, yeah. You kind of just go, might as well give up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only mountain biking since October, you know, yeah, in wow. reality. So, wow, wow, yeah. Um, now I've, I've possibly done more time than somebody who's been mountain biking for the last few years because, you know, I'm out every day if I can. And certainly over the summer, I've been out four days minimum yeah. um, for the most part of it. So. In terms of miles down, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on it. But just jumping is a whole different game, and mm -hmm. jumping at that level on on a trail like that is just in, insane, insane. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I'd love to be able to achieve something like that further down the road. You know, I'm working on my jumping. Um, I'm more into sort of tech stuff and trails, but um, just insane, and it's such a good addition to the gap because it's uh especially there's a blue line there which is really long and you're kind of running down it going when is this going to end because this <laughs> doesn't quite make sense because i mean the pedal up is is long enough but it's not this long so it's just whatever way they've managed to sort of build it into the hill and i think it's going to join then you can go on and join another trail and get down to the very very bottom so by the time you're done you know it's going to be a, a 10 minute 15 minute trail wow so um yeah, but to be involved with all of that was, you know, for them to ask me. And I mean, I literally took my uh, my gig bag out and had like a, a huge layer of dust on top of it and had yeah. to hoover it off because I hadn't done uh, a gig or a show in 18 months mm. since that, you know. So I was kind of a little bit, oh, God, am I going to, you know set set things up and, and be like, oh, God, I didn't miss this at all. But there was a really good energy on the day. Everybody was just really happy to be to be there um, and to hear some sort of music playing loud. And uh, it was a really, really nice day. Yeah. I was going to ask you what your crowd was like, because they're all mountain bikers, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and luckily enough, I know, you know, I know a lot of them. 
Mm-hmm. The Gap has been a regular place for me, and they've been really good to me up there. And uh, it's a you know it's a great place to learn and to cut your teeth. And uh, everybody up there and everybody that I've met in the mountain biking scene has just been so um, warm and encouraging, and you know all of that. So um, it's been really great. It's been really really good for for my head through all of this because you know like you said the uh the music industry has been affected in a way that you know the airline industry was affected i mean yeah. at least they're, they're starting to fly a little bit but it was really sort of the entertainment industry and and the uh the airline industry that really got hit hard um so it's been it's just been it's been a savior for me to be honest yeah definitely definitely and we'll, we'll get into that now now i noticed you were playing in that red bull rig yeah that I'm almost certain I seen that thing in Malta when I was out there. Quite positive. Yeah, they were opening some store there, some fashion store. I can't even, I don't even know what it was, diesel or something, maybe, I don't know. But um, yeah, that Red Bull thing was out there and they were playing and getting on. And so the gap brought that in, I take it. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I was looking at the reg on it. It's something insane, like 1942. Yeah, like it's a re. I mean, it's obviously been rebuilt from from the chassis up, but uh, yeah, Red Bull threw that up, so we had a nice little, uh, nice little setup on the top of uh, on the top of the mountain, just below uh, Afterburner on uh, right. Ticknock. So I don't know if you're not familiar, but basically the the gap has extended beyond the gap and is now up into sort of Ticknock, but it's kind of level with where Afterburner would be. Yeah, so you can actually see Afterburner coming down as you're going up to the. The new trails in, in the gap. Wow, cool, cool. Like your impressions of the new tracks, the, the double black and stuff. Um, were you able to do that? Is there cheater lines or anything down through it? You can you can ride them all. You yeah. can absolutely ride them all. But uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna hit that trail, just do it. With, you know, you're just gonna roll it. Um, there's a few uh, there's a few kickers, you know, on the way that will uh, will certainly give you a bumpy landing if you hit them too hard. Um, but either you're all in or you're kind of just rolling. Uh, it's yeah. uh, you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> I'll awesome. make sure of a flat tire at the top, so I have yeah. to roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic, my classic. Now, as far as you getting into MTB uh, and into mountain biking, I hear Al Redmond, uh, aka Trail Advisor, was in part to blame for all that. He was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did that come about but he he has always he has always been into bikes and uh i knew him from a radio station that we were both involved with and uh he just was always sort of saying to me you know i've, I've known him a long time and he was always saying to me you know oh look come out you know you'll love it you'll enjoy it it's it's great it's brilliant it's great crack and i was like oh well i definitely would love to it'd be great yeah i'd love to i'd love to and this is over years and uh, never actually managed to sort of to do that uh, until, you know, last year. And probably because one of my kids got got sort of into it as well. So um, I can't remember whether he went out first or I went out first, but um, I went out with Alan and just loved it. Absolutely mm-hmm. adored it. And then it was it was made easy by the fact that he had put me on a, a Mondraker uh carbon dune um so it was a beautiful bike and you know was able to sort of get into it pretty quickly at a, at a decent level in terms of the the kind of bike i was on so mm-hmm. um but literally from there i i had a decision to make i had had a nice watch which i was sitting looking at on my desk and uh i went you know what that's not giving me any fun or any enjoyment whatsoever so <laughs> I, I flipped it. I, I flogged it and I, I bought uh, the bike that I have now. Oh, wow. And um, it's a Mondraker too, right? It's a Mondraker, yeah. Black, so, yeah. Uh, stealthy, uh, yeah, Duno or Carbon, which is uh, which is a beautiful bike. Really enjoyed yeah. it. But yeah, it was Al. He got me out and once I was out, I was out. That was it. Aye. Well, I see Al sold you in the Mondraker brand then because he rides one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah all the, he's just shifted. Has so he? He's all, yeah, he's all Santa Cruz now, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Turned it back. <laughs> Good stuff. Can you remember the first trail you went out on with Al? Um, the first trail. Where did I go? 
He didn't throw you down a red or something, did he? No, but we were very quickly. Um, I'm trying. I was probably up the gap, and it was probably tickety boo, to be honest with you, because I remember, I remember coming down, and there was you know this small. Um, look, when you haven't been on a bike, you know, in years, or you haven't really got the concept of mountain biking, it's it's uh, it's a different it's a different thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see a rock and a ledge and you're like, OK, well, I'm going over that. And it's a bit there's a bit of height in it, even though it's not like it might be two, two foot, if even it's uh, it's something that you just need to get used to. Mm-hmm. So doing it the first time is kind of daunting, <laughs> you know, because yeah, you're like, yeah. well, what's going to happen here? You know, is the bike going to flip over or and I mean, certainly like mountain bikes today versus, you know, the bikes that we would have ridden growing up as kids. They're really well capable. And it takes you a long time to sort of realize that, you know, the bike is capable of doing as much as it is it as it is. But the initial thing is kind of uh, a little bit scary and a little bit daunting. But Tickety-Boo, I think it was probably the first one we did in the gap. But very quickly, uh, I was up jouse. And I don't mean, you know, jouse on trails. I was mean, I mean, we were actually pedaling up the side of jouse to summit it and then uh, freewheel down. Mm-hmm. So that was one of my first. Uh, that was definitely in the first couple of weeks. Um, that I mentioned, uh, or that I I managed to sort of get some speed and do some really crazy stuff on a bike. Yeah. Wow! I don't know wow. whether you know Joe's, do you? I don't know it. No. No. So yeah, it's a it's a big mountain, and it takes a while to get up to. And once you get up the top, it's pretty uh, it's pretty steep. So um, I was literally carrying the bike on the back on my back. Um, but once we were up the top, then it's just like, all right, we're going down. It's flat. So it's well, it's flat in the sense that you can you can ride it down, mm-hmm. but you can get some pretty decent speeds coming mm-hmm. down it, you know. So but it's literally the side of the mountain. It's not a yeah. trail. It's literally just the side of the mountain. So it's great fun. Was that nerve wracking for you or exciting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I'm going to die. Who <laughs> <laughs> are all these guys that are like, you know, they've got, they've got full faces and, you know. Uh-huh loads of body armor it's like why are they wearing all that <laughs> yeah um, yeah so but yeah look it's um that's part of it isn't it you're kind of you're you're pushing yourself and you're pushing the boundaries and uh thankfully for me touch wood i've i've managed to sort of rip my shins apart um from pedal strikes mostly uh, just you know yeah. stupid stupid things but i've not really done anything massively stupid Mm-hmm. Um, so far, so so far, so good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, like it's interesting. You say you know you see these guys with the full face helmets and the pads and all. Like when you were at that stage and you didn't really know the scene or were involved that heavily in the community. Like what were you? What did you think about the scene? What did that whole thing look like to you? Was it quite intimidating or anything? Uh, yeah. I mean, being around where I am, we would see. An awful lot of people sort of heading up Ticknock. So you'd always see bikers around this area. Um, you'd certainly see a lot of road bikers. Um, and I guess I kind of put the two together to a certain extent when you don't realize what actually happens when people are on a mountain bike and what they're doing. So, um, no, I mean, I, it, it was always something that kind of fascinated me as to mm-hmm. what, what are they doing? Like when they've got all that gear on and, and they're on the road. You know they, they're pedaling up somewhere, but yeah. um, oh man, look, whatever preconceptions or judgments I had pr- previously, they're well and truly out the window <laughs> at this stage, you know. So, I mean, you're talking to a guy who's got uh, you know, more bikes in my sitting room. We've like we're running out of room in our sitting room, and oh, no. uh, I've got one of those sort of uh, blue uh, garage tool chests. <laughs> Which is living now in our in our living room, you know. Oh so, no! I mean, you walk into our house, and there's no denying that. Like my wife is into bikes now, and uh, my two kids as well. So we're definitely a biking family. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. It's, wow. Uh, well, you're when when things spell into the living quarters, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's well, amazing. When, when she doesn't mind, it's even better, you know. Yeah. That's perfect, man. That's awesome. Uh, fantastic. Uh, so, like, you've been involved now for a while. Like, what do you think of the riding community now? Like, how do you think it's good? Do you think we've got a good scene here in Ireland? What's your thoughts on it? Definitely, yeah. Um, right, right the way through. I mean, 
I you you get to a you get to an age where you stop making friends. I think you know mm-hmm. you you mm-hmm. kind of have your friends and your friends are your friends and you just not that maybe you're not interested but just that's the way life goes. You just don't meet people in the same way as you would when you were a teenager or in your twenties. You know, um, so to have been sort of accepted and um, sort of included in the mountain biking community, whether it's at the Gap or whether it's at the, you know, the bike hut in Ticknock or whether it's, um, you know, Galway MTB or, you know, another club somewhere else that have dropped me a message and said, you know, if you're around and you want to ride or you want me to show you the trails or anything like that, it's it's just been so, um, so nourishing, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've made some new friends for sure. And, uh, you know, experience some things with people that um, I think are really special. You know, you get you, you find yourself in a place at a time on the bike and you just stop and you take it in. And it's just it's breathtaking. Yeah, it's an amazing um, it's an amazing thing. And not only for the adventure side of it in terms of, you know, being able to dial it up or dial it down as much as you want, because I've just, you know, I really enjoy the fitness side to, to biking. So sometimes I'll just pedal up, tick knock, and I'll go up to what's called Fairy Castle. And it might be a day where, you know, not a cloud in the sky. It's just beautiful. It's amazing. Um, and you're just on your own and you're you're taking it all in or you're with somebody and uh, it's fantastic. And then other times, you know, you've got a full face on and you're throwing yourself around the place like crazy and you're you're jumping on trails and um, you know that that element element of it, being able to dial it up and dial it down as much as you want, um, is is something that I really really enjoy. But I mean, the people that I've met have been just so. I don't know what is it. What's the common? What do we all? What is it that we, do we all just love biking, or is there something else in it? <laughs> yeah. You know, are we are we all connected by people that we like the fact that we could die at any minute, <laughs> or really hurt ourselves at any minute? Um, yeah. I, or what I is it? Know. You know. Yeah. It's a weird one. Like, I know a lot of people do it for the nature side of things, which surprised me. Um, I asked a lot of my listeners a couple of years ago, you know, why, what was their favorite thing about mountain biking? And it was quite heavily the responses were that got them out in nature. Um, Now, that may be getting them away from a computer or getting them off their phone or getting away from the stresses of everyday life. But, you know, I thought it would have came back more so the adrenaline side of things. Um, because I think that's a big part of it for me, just just that adrenaline of achieving something, you know, or pushing yourself that little bit more. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. I think it ticks a lot of boxes, which is which is why it's why we all kind of think the same almost, you know. Yeah. You know? Well, definitely a big part of it for me is the the switch off. Mm-hmm. You know that once you once I get on the bike and I'm gone, you know nothing else really sort of matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as it does, but it's just in terms of, you know, the last couple of the, the last 18 months in particular, um, for me, it's been a really good escape from the sort of doom and gloom of, of what's been going on with, uh, you know, careers and COVID and all that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I think it's something because I come from a surf background and I see a lot of similarities between surfing and mountain biking, even though they're very different. But when you're surfing a wave and you're in that moment, because you can't, you just can't afford to be thinking of anything else, you know, and it's the same on a mountain bike. When you're going down something steep, your concentration has to be so good in what you're doing. You can't be worrying about this or worrying about that. You're there in the moment. And I think mentally, even though you're super concentrating on what you're doing, I think it gives you so much space yeah. away from all that other stuff that it really helps. 100%. You know, um, yeah. so interesting, man. It really is. It fascinates me. You know, like, for you, as far as the gigging thing and the nightclub stuff and all goes, like, is it a different level of adrenaline or is it a diff- different level of enjoyment? Uh, definitely. I mean, the one of the things I suppose I'm grateful for, I think, I can't say whether it's actually what I think yet, because we haven't managed to sort of return to normal. But the mm-hmm. fact that I kind of felt like everything was just 
being taken for granted and going through a routine. So in terms of like shows and gigs and and I think even people going to gigs, like you could throw you could throw a lineup in front of people, which would be top notch, and they'd just be like, meh, you know. Um, and when you actually stop and look at what's happening, you know, at, at gigs and the production and and all of that. That everything that goes into it, like it's a big, it's a big thing and a big event, and I think people just got a little bit complacent because there was so much. I mean, there's a stage there where every three, four days there was, you know, a big act playing, you know, somewhere in this country, mm-hmm. um, and I think people just got slightly complacent. And when that's all taken away, people are coming back to it with a renewed vigor, um, mm-hmm. and I think they'll be a little bit more enthusiastic about it. But for me, definitely, I was kind of getting to a point where I was going through the motions. Um, and as much as, you know, there was a quick shot of adrenaline um, every, so, every so often throughout my, my shows and my gigs, it was definitely something that um, I was used to. Whereas I guess with the, you know, with, with, with biking, it's just almost every time you hit something, it's slightly new and um, there's more of a buzz. And even if you've hit something before, being able to find a new way around it or, um, you know, a, a faster way through something or whatever that's uh that's the thing that the sort of renewable side to it mm-hmm. uh, they're, yeah. they're two two very different things i guess because yeah. the the gigs would be all about the you know the punters and those that are at the show whereas you know biking for me is all about me it's for mm. me as such you know so uh they'd be quite different in that respect yeah definitely definitely cool now since you started, like, how how have you found your progression? Uh, good, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've 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 had a couple of different ways of learning. So I would have had, you know, Al kind of took me under his wing and, you know, show me, you know, the ropes to start with. Uh, that's trade advisor. Um, so he would have showed me sort of techniques and, and, you know, how not to sort of hurt yourself. And, you know, I went over the bars a few times uh, with him, but came down some pretty steep stuff and um, definitely cut my teeth uh, with Al. But it, mm-hmm. it's probably more that I was riding with um, one of my, my kids, Josh, and a few of his friends, and they don't know the consequence of they have no sense of consequence <laughs> so they're literally you know when you're following people like that at that age with no fear you find yourself just going with it yeah what age is josh so he's 11 so between right. 11 and, and 14 would be sort of the people that i would have been riding with a little bit in that sense and that really sort of helped me. That really kind of pushed me beyond because I didn't have time to think. And I found myself a lot of the time just, you know, being in a train and just hitting stuff that if I had been with anybody else, I just would have gone, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? So that I found that really helpful in terms of just because I guess I kind of put myself at the same level of learning in the sense that, you know, when when you're someone like Al or or that you're aware that hey we've got to drive home from here you know and we've got to get up tomorrow and we've got to go to work mm-hmm. whereas when you're learning with people who are learning as they go it just opens the whole thing up after that though um you know I've been really lucky that I've I've ridden with Gav Carroll a few times so mm-hmm. he's given me a few tips um I I had a session with Killian Callahan um you know, there's always people willing to sort of give a little bit of advice and, and tell me what I'm doing right and what I might be doing wrong. Um, so I've been really lucky that I've had some of the, you know, some of the best riders um, in, in the country, I think, sort of give me a little bit of advice and a little bit of a steer. So, yeah, but um, progression, like I literally am, you know, if I can get out this afternoon, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it, it's literally if I can get out seven days in a week, I'm gone. So um, I have a lot of time to make up for. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, well, one, I kind of feel like time is running out to a certain extent. Um, and then the other side of me is going, well, you have a lot of time to make up for because, you, you know, if you had, you know, I'm, I'm racing now as well. Yeah. And, and that's like I'm up against people who have been on their bike 20 years. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to just go in and, you know, 
I want I want to compete, and I yeah. want to try and try and achieve something. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of really pushing myself self in that sense. Yeah. Do you, Do you think the racing thing has because your was it your first race at Ravendale the first yeah. tracks and Giro? Yeah. Do you think that has helped your skill level do you think that really helps because a lot of people do they think racing really you know pushes you to the next level i don't i don't know yet because okay. when i went to ravensdale i went to just go through the motions mm-hmm. so i didn't want to come last that's that's what i said to myself um but i wanted to go do the stages and get home safe so I had never ridden Ravensdale before, so I was completely blind to the whole thing. And it's a pretty big area, so wasn't really much opportunity to hit any of the trails uh, or any of the stages more than once. Mm-hmm. So it was tough. Like, it was an eye-opener. It was like, okay, wow, um, you know, this isn't as easy as. But I went, you know what, I think I could do this if I had, if I knew the trails a little bit better and I wasn't so sort of standoffish going, oh, God. Like in my mind, I was going, there's going to be something I'm going to come across and I'm going to hit it. And it's going to be like a, you know, a 30 foot drop or something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't know what to expect. So, yeah, um, it, it's pushed me in in that sense. But in terms of skill level, no, I think probably. I don't know, probably just hitting stuff I wouldn't just removing that mental block that says don't mm-hmm. do this you know the brain constantly saying don't do this and like i say riding with 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 uh, josh my my kid that because that's not there it's just you're you're gone mm-hmm. and you just you do you don't and if you sit in that middle ground which is you know oh god will i won't i you know that's where you end up pulling the front brake and that's where you end up going out the door and that's where it all goes wrong whereas <laughs> yeah. if you just go i'm going i'm doing this i'm committing to it it's going to be fine that's uh, it, that's the mentality and i think that's the in terms of this, this, the biggest skill improvement, I think that's what you sort of need to achieve more than, um, you know, how you're throwing the bike around a corner to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's all important. But look, I'm watching YouTube videos every day in the week about how, <laughs> yeah. to, how to ride trails faster and how to hit berms, you know, faster and, and all mm-hmm. that. But it's uh, it's trial and error to a certain extent. Totally, time on the bike. Um, like your session with Killian, was that a coaching session? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how did you find that? Uh, Killian has a uh, a teaching technique, shall we say, <laughs> that's uh, that I really sort of admire and appreciate because I think that that's a really good way to learn. So we were we were pedaling up to where we were we were going to um, to do the the session, and he said, "Look, I'm not here to be your friend." I'm here to teach you how to ride your bike. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that works for me. Um, you know, because there is an awful lot of, hey, we're on a bike and we're mountain biking and we're mountain bikers and we enjoy going out on our bike, you know, and he's just like, no, look, you're paying me to to teach you. So let's just get down to it and let's, let's do it. So he, uh, yeah, he corrected a few things that I had sort of some bad habits I had got into. And uh, immediately it was like, okay, I've got to sort of focus on these things. Yeah. Um, so he he said, I can't remember exactly what he said. He said you've got a good, you've got a. Uh, he said you've got a, you've got like a good skill, but your foundation is a bit ropey. So I think I've learned, um, I've learned quite a lot, but some of the really really basic stuff like body position and stuff like that, I needed to tweak that, mm-hmm. and to get that right. And and since he kind of pointed it out. Um, it certainly made a big difference. Yeah. Like, I think if you ask most kind of pros, you know, if you were to spend, let's say, 100 quid or something on equipment to make you faster, they would say, well, I actually spend it on a coaching lesson. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's so true. Yeah. If you can, if you can get somebody even videoing yourself, it's also really worth, worthwhile, I think, because you get to see how you're, you're moving and what you're, what you're actually doing with a bike and when you do a coaching session you get somebody sort of to, to critique you in real time like that so mm-hmm. um but look mm-hmm. it's it's funny because a lot of the things he was saying to me i kind of knew but i just needed somebody to say it again mm-hmm. you know yeah I don't know whether that makes sense i mean you can be told something on video all the time or you can watch something on video and have them tell you like if you want to learn how to jump you know, they keep telling you certain things, but you don't quite know how or why it, it goes into place, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so having someone like Kitty in there just to to say it to you and not afraid to hurt your feelings. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, I've had Killian on the podcast and he is a legend. Like he 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 talks from the heart, you know. Yeah. So oh, he's a good fellow. He's a good fellow. Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so looking at the scene now, like, what do you think the future is for the Irish mountain bike scene? Because we have rappers out there, right? For such a small freaking country, how good big is time. it? Yeah, big time. I mean, Ronan Dunn, uh, Oshina Callahan, you know, Greg, um, you know, Gav is back out racing. Um, Dan is there as well. I think it's, you know, I, I love seeing Oshin doing as well as he's doing mm-hmm. because it really shows that it's been taken seriously. And I just hope that it continues to sort of grow like that. I hope this it's not just a, a sort of pandemic thing where people have got into it because of the pandemic. Um, the fact that there's so many clubs, there's so many trails um, around the country. I mean, that's what you need. You need the yeah. grassroots stuff, you know. You you need the stuff that can sort of get kids into it who then become the champions, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't I don't think Oshin is necessarily a product of that. I think that his dad has obviously got an awful lot to to do with there. Um, but, you know, there are kids that are up at the gap now and there, there are kids that are in clubs all around the country, um, you know, that are racing. Um, that have the access to the facilities and the trails that maybe, you know, we wouldn't have had 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and uh, I think it's it's really exciting to see what, what might come of that in the next sort of five or six years when people have cut their teeth on trails around the country and decide, actually, you know, I'm quite good at this and maybe I can enter into the Olympics or, yeah, uh, you know, that 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 level of thing. So I I think the future is really bright. I mean, look, the gap has just opened six new trails. Amazing. You know, they're not doing that, you know, at the end of, um, you know, an upswing for for the sport as such. Quilcha are are investing, you know, big time in trails all around the country. I mean, there's I don't think there's any mountain that you can go to where <laughs> there isn't some kind of trail, <laughs> which is just insane. It's brilliant, you know, and as much as I've I've done a few, you know, Ballinastow and Ticknock and Carrick and Hush, you know, and all those kind of trails near me. Um, I was lucky to get to Wales as well. Um, like we're only scratching the surface in terms of what's out there and, and what's available. Yeah, for um, sure. And I just I hope that that people continue to do it because it's. It's just such a great sport and yeah. it'd be great. It would be great to see it being recognized, you know, even more so on an international level by Irish riders. Yeah, totally. And I think young guys like Oshin and Rowan and all, you know, the young ones coming up now, the real young ones, looking, they'll be looking up to those young guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I think it's fantastic. And for such a small country, you know, the, the community we have here and the network of trails is unreal. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, and right. Yeah, we have to be so thankful for that, really, you know. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Now, you'll probably find when you go to do gigs now and hopefully everything opens up again that you'll be taking your bike with you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens, I, eh? I, this was going to be my uh, my new angle was that, I, you know, I'd never actually get off my bike. So I'd, I'd, uh, I'd cycle into the club or onto the stage and I'd sit <laughs> on the bike doing, doing the gig, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Crazy, crazy. Be tough, though. I mean, that's the the only thing is that I'm kind of hoping that it doesn't, uh, you know, because doing shows a lot of the time you don't get home until four or five o'clock in the morning, um, and there's quite a lot of travel involved and stuff like that. So um, on yeah. one side I'm going, geez, it'd be great now if I could sort of include it. So you know, I bring the bike with me and and I hit a trail either before or after. Um, but I hope it doesn't get to a point now where I'm kind of going, God, I haven't been out in the bike in four weeks. Yeah, yeah. That would just be the worst thing to happen. Yeah, totally, totally. Like, as far as the future for mountain biking for you, Mark, like, what what are you planning? What do you see happening with it? I don't know, but I think it's really, it's been really interesting to sort of get involved with the gap and the launch of their thing and sort of 
being able to, you know, bring some music, you know, to events like that. Um, so, I mean, for me, ideally, it would be great to find something that sort of fused the two in some way, shape or form. Um, but like that will just be a one, once every so often type of thing. Mm-hmm. In terms of my own personal writing, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm getting better for sure. Uh, every week, I kind of set a goal that I wanted to learn, you know, how to jump by the end of the summer. I'm not quite there yet. I, I kind of stopped jumping for a few weeks and I went back at it only yesterday, actually, and was making, had found that I was making quite a bit of progress. I was just overthinking it before. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to go in for any international competitions or anything like that, but I'd like to, I'd definitely like to, to try and compete. Um, and I'd like to race, you know, from a grassroots level. And mm-hmm. and look, I, it's just, it's enjoyable. And sometimes it's competition. Sometimes it's just been out with a few friends and having a bit of a laugh. Sometimes it's, you know, tearing up a trail and uh, pushing the boundaries. And sometimes it's just me on my own and, you know, a bit of headspace. So, yeah, one, one of those is going to continue in, in yeah. some way, shape or form. You know, it may just be something that I do because I enjoy doing it by myself or it might be something that I continue to go out and, and meet more people. I, I love meeting more people. That's the one thing that I, I sort of came to realize that I wasn't done making friends and I like making I like meeting, uh, you know, people more and more. And yeah. uh, especially in, in the mountain biking community, because it's uh, it's just an, it's such a nice group of people, you know. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. No, it is. It is. And we just all end up talking about bikes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bikes are great. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, listen, thanks so much for coming on, mate. It was a pleasure to get you on the podcast. Not at all, my pleasure. Yeah, and have a chat. Like, how can people find out more about you and your MTB adventures and stuff? So, I have my my official Instagram is Martin Cave official, um, but I also have uh, Mark McCabe MTB. So, anything bike related kind of goes on the the MTB uh, page. Cool, man. Uh, cool. So that that's the, probably the easiest way. Excellent. And are you planning on you know, if you get the time and stuff, are you planning on going to a lot of the racing events around Ireland and up north here and stuff? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah I'll just see see how I go. Um, look, it's a good day out, isn't it? And it's something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, look, I'm not embarrassed by, you know, progress or, or lack of if it comes to it, you know, if I if I don't uh, if I don't manage to sort of climb the ranks and and sort of get into the top thirties or top twenties, so be it, you know, I'll still enjoy it. Um, yeah, totally. So, totally, yeah. mate. Brilliant. Well, listen, I hope to see you in the near future. Um, Likewise. At, at the Gap for sure, man. I'm I'm definitely planning a trip down there, take the Gap and take Knock and stuff. So I'll be down Good. there for a number of days. Well, hit me up. I'm happy to, to show you about at any stage. Definitely, mate. Well, here, listen, thanks so much again for coming on and um, take care out there in the trails, Pleasure. all right? You too, man. That's a wrap for episode 206. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. And I hope you enjoyed Mark's story. It certainly is an exciting one. Now, I just want to say thanks, Mark, for coming on the podcast, mate. It was great to connect with you. And hopefully I'll be seeing you down in TikTok or the Gap there pretty soon. And we can go in two weeks together. It'd be awesome to go and have a blast around those trails with you. Now, folks, if you want to know more about our conversation, just simply go to the website mtb-tribe.com where you can find Mark's show notes there and get quick and easy links to his social accounts and find out a little bit more about what he's doing and how he's getting on in the old mountain bike scene. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support, the best way is simply by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on whatever podcast platform you use to listen to your shows on every one of your ratings helps boost us on the algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people we also have a website that you can visit mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete bike catalogue listen and download every show from there for free you can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the podcast If you want to get more involved with the podcast, you can find us on social media 
at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you want to get in contact with me directly, the best way is via pigeon, well, email we call it, um, info at mtb-tribe.com. I do read all the emails and I will get back to you. That's it for this week, folks. So until next week when we'll have another episode of the MTB Tribe podcast, as always, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTB stoked. <laughs>